Hi there, I'm Anne-Marie McQueen, editor of Live Healthy, and this is the Live Healthy Podcast. Each week we interview health and wellness leaders and talk about all the things that are good for you, which you can also read about in our online magazine, the only one of its kind for men and women in the UAE. Today I'm speaking with freelance journalist and podcaster and Live Healthy writer, Georgie Bradley, about coping in COVID times, burnout, situational depression and anxiety, and just in general, how to survive the joy and pain of life. This is the second in our new series, speaking to people about how they cope with real mental health challenges, including depression, anxiety, and more. Let's Good. begin, Georgie Bradley. <laughs> Renaissance. Where it all begins at the beginning. <laughs> mm, mm, I like that. I like yeah. that. What makes you say that? Uh, it just feels like you can do a lot of different things. You know, it just feels like you're an editor, a podcaster, you're producing podcasts. You uh, you counsel uh, women who have been experienced sexual and domestic assault. Like you just, you're one of those people who just, we've known each other for a while, but you're one of those people who sort of says things and you're like, oh my God, she does that too. <laughs> I bet there's a hidden artistic thing in there somewhere. There is, I have a background in theater. Okay, there we go. I'm very performative, which is why I think I like to jump from one thing to another. It keeps that fluidity that I think a lot of performers enjoy. You know, we don't like to be trapped in one box. We need to you know, spread and spread out, fan out and have our fingers in, in many pies. I think it's because, you know, when you play characters, you play different characters along the way and you sort of evolve and shape skills as a result of trying out different things. And I'm kind of being a performer through the more traditional career sense. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I was a bit of a theater. I took some theater in my time too. I know what you mean. Like you get to do it yeah. without having that mm. sort of like, Actor. You get to play all the parts. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> so we were just talking before about the pandemic and living alone during the pandemic and then how it just mm. gets to be all too much because things aren't back to normal. And you went to Greece for seven weeks, but yeah. What do you, what do you want to say about that? What was it like for you? And what, well, and, and before... it was good for you. Cause we talked early in the pandemic and you said, it's okay. Like I'm actually dealing with the pandemic. Well, because we agreed that we had had mental health challenges before. So we had had to sort of tune ourselves up and we had tools to deal with things that other people maybe didn't have, but as it's gone on and that's, that's what we were sort of talking about. What do you think about that? Yeah. I remember when you and I touched base, it was around April, 2020. So we were about a month and a half into it. And just like everybody else, I was making it up as I was going along. I didn't have some toolkit or blueprint on how to pandemic, on how to do it yourself. However, I did feel that I was in a much better place than in 2019, simply because circumstantially I was not in a good place. And then in 2020, having certain comforts around me, like a home, a job that was unaffected during the pandemic. I mean, I recognized very early on that this is the, for me, the foundation to quiet my anxiety and to keep me in a somewhat positive and sustainable place. But then it caught up with me 
by the end of the year. And I remember in January, I don't know whether it's because subconsciously I was hoping for the 1st of January to have a bit of a 180 on, you know, the previous year, but it just seemed to just drag on where we were just sort of in this limbo of, will we, won't we, are we progressing? Are we regressing? What's happening with the vaccine? When are we going to be more mobile? And it just caught up with me in a way where I was experiencing all this private madness because I live alone. And as much as I kept in touch with all my friends during the large parts of quarantine, which, you know, in the UAE was fairly minimal compared to other parts of the world where some of some people are still living out lockdown scenarios, which I mean, peace to all of you. I don't know how they are doing that. I just know for myself and what I experienced in those two months when it was um, very much mandated to stay within four walls, what that meant. But then I just sort of, you know, when you don't know what something feels like in the moment because you're experiencing it, but then post-rationally you you start to unpack it it caught up with me in the new year in 2021 and I just went a little stir crazy and started rampantly seeking out connections going out as much as possible but it wasn't the same as pre-pandemic because obviously people are exercising caution I started dating a lot I started you know um doing a, a lot of new things new in the kind of bracketed sense where you know it's all safe and very uh, kind of just to excite my palate a bit and to feel to feel yeah. simply to feel because sometimes when you are sat in yourself and there's this underlying pain of uh, alone and loneliness it doesn't have a voice and that can be so painful when that physical pain has no voice you just don't know how to process it because I'm a language person words for me are what I use to transmit meaning but when I don't have access to them because what I'm feeling is so obscure and ambiguous it can just spiral me into further frenzies you know (laughs) I don't even know how to describe it now. It's also convoluted because it changes shape all the time. It's not a fixed thing mm-hmm. because as much as we have routine in our lives, depression, anxiety, it overrides that. It takes on its own life, <laughs> you know, above the life that we live and, and we are programmed to be in. You know, these things, they, they go on walkabout. I mean, I wouldn't say I've got depression and anxiety presently in the way that I had pre-pandemic, but I've had flare-ups for sure, which I knew would come during a pandemic when your sense of control and your usual coping mechanisms are thrown up in disarray because, well, because of measures and because things aren't normal. How do they, like, how does it present Like, what would be an example of how it presents in your life? It can present as being stuck in the mud and not knowing how to put one foot in front of the other. And you just want to curl up and be under your duvet for hours on end. Or it can look like 
your usual self, which is the most frustrating part as far as getting others to understand what you're going through. Because if you present as I do, which is normally very energetic, very bubbly, I'm quite an active person, I, I'm, you know, operating on all cylinders. When you tell someone that you're suffering from some kind of depression, it makes them question the validity of it because you appear as you did always that's but so really, interesting that's so well, well, the, I think the reason why a lot of the times depression presents as not depression is because life carries on with or without your depression and you just have to grasp at straws and you just have to get on with it whether you tell yourself or it does it for you, you simply carry on. Some days you can't, some days you do. It's almost like you're walking on air. You don't really know that you're operating, but you do. And it's the only functional way. Yeah. it's. But then other times it catches up with you. Um, do you, like, so do you feel overwhelmed when you feel like that? I mean, yes and no. Sometimes usually the overwhelm comes about when I'm in new situations and I'm in a dark place or I've had a dip into the dark side again. And if I'm in a new place and I don't have my bearings and I'm not on top form, to be able to adjust and to cope becomes a very difficult task because usually when you're in a new environment or you're in a new job or you're asked to do something that you've never done before it's already pretty exhausting when you're in the best of shape and form let alone when you are not so that's when it becomes really overwhelming other times sometimes it's so overwhelming it's not if that makes sense like you pass the point of no return and you're like I'm just going to let this pan out how it pans out. You know, you almost put throw the towel in and give up without actually actively giving up. You just, you're resigned to whatever happens. And sometimes that really helps because that means that you have released that want to control and police your situation. I think that's something that I've learned over time is to let go of trying to outsmart your depression. Hmm. you're right okay allow it to ride its course because I tend to yeah sorry tell me (laughs) no go ahead that's really keep going that's yeah yeah I have a tendency just in my everyday life as well outside of these spells to be very controlling of how I want to feel based on what I think I should feel versus what I actually feel based on societal pressures and conditioning and cultural codes you know like for example if I'm sad that I um, was made redundant from a job or I broke up with a guy if I go on longer for what society deems as appropriate I start to shame myself therefore I fall into a cycle of self-perpetuating hate and not allowing myself to feel. But then once I put that restriction on me, it only exacerbates the problem more. And then I only 
hate myself even more, <laughs> if that makes sense. So yeah. I've learned to allow these things to come and go as they please. Sometimes they're unwelcome, but they're still knocking at the door. I'll open the door. They'll come flooding in and sit wherever the hell they want to sit. And I'm like, okay, you're there. I'm just going to let you exist, coexist with the, the better side of me. And we'll mm-hmm. see how how it goes you know maybe we'll have some tea or I might throw stuff at you I don't know I just I've just learned to relinquish that control a little bit more because the more you control it the more it controls you and in order to go through something you, in order sorry in order to get over something you have to go through it I I'm a lot more forgiving with myself because I'm super super tough on myself and you know, we're all taught as we grow up to just shake things off. I hope that this new generation of teens and zillennials, millennials are um, learning to allow themselves to process and not put a lid on it. Yeah, well, I was going to say, if you went by the society's definition for how long you can be upset about anything, it would be no time at all because no one wants to sit with you when you're upset. Like no one wants to, like, that's my feeling anyway. Like, it would just be, are you still upset? <laughs> because I don't like being around yeah. you when you're upset, right? Like a lot, it, everyone's yeah. so uncomfortable with someone who is. So upset. when I am in a bad way, the way that I deal with it, the way that it becomes more manageable is just to extract myself from other people's company. Even though it's always suggested that you should surround yourself with people, you should get out more. Actually, that doesn't help for me. What helps for me is to, sit with myself in the worst of times, maybe reach out to someone who I know will listen, but I prefer to be in a way where I am more bearable because when I'm not, then I start to manage other people's emotions around me based on my emotions, if that makes sense, because I'm very aware of how I'm coming across and how that's affecting other people. Therefore, I feel compelled to manage both myself and the other person. And it just becomes too much. And I prefer to just sit with myself and then come out into the world once I'm once I'm better I have to say I'm lucky in that it doesn't happen that often but when it does I just prefer to be on my own so will you cancel will you cancel things then yes but I don't commit to things enough to cancel if that makes sense I'm quite spontaneous I like to act on present feelings as opposed to doing things well in advance because then I start to build up some anxiety of, oh, am I going to be okay in three days? I mean, I don't mean from a depressive, anxious perspective, but just generally logistically, I love spontaneity because I think that's when you live your most felt life, you know, Um, where there's no real expectation. You just sort of fly into it. And that's, I'm such an adrenaline such an adrenaline junkie, which actually I think is one of the the root cause causes of why I can spiral sometimes because I love to operate on these highs that when something less than occurs, I'm like, wait, that's not how I want to feel. And then I have this very warped idea of, you know, what a good life is meant to look like. Right. You know? Like and you're supposed to be up it, here. It, and I mean, honestly, I feel like some people are just meant to be like this. I remember in my twenties, I read, and this is before the like internet took off, <laughs> but I read yeah. an article about, it was, it said shadow syndromes. It was basically like, 
you're not bipolar, you're not depressed or anxious, you have shadows of those things. But the older I get, I just feel like if you have a personality where there's more highs and lows, that's what you have. And you deal with both of them, you know, like yeah. you, if you have that, cause we all know even keel person, people who never seem to get. hundred um, percent. Do you know, I was actually reading um, a book kind of in the same vein, it's called how to be sad, mm-hmm. um, to be happier overall. And it's really about reconfiguring your expectations of life. And if you are um, experiencing depression or anxiety, to not ward it off, to sit in it and feel the feels. But in the book, one of the things that was written was um, about how we always strive towards something that we think is going to make us more content, more um living a more fulfilled life whatever that might be and it might take a very long journey to get there and you're striving towards it for months for years and then once you get to that summit you experience a rival fallacy whereby you think that euphoric feeling is there waiting for you with open arms but then once you get there life around you still carries on there's nothing spectacular about it okay you might have your five minutes five weeks of um of success of triumph but then afterwards it's like okay Hmm. usual service as you know as it goes so yeah and then all you end up doing is moving that goalpost somewhere else and then restarting that process so Is the answer to always maintain realistic expectations and just see the good in everything that comes your way and not constantly push it to one side in in hopes of something bigger and better. Maybe what you're experiencing right now is the best it can be for that moment. And then, you know, life is ebbs and flows, isn't it? I mean, I, I heard in the podcast, I can't remember what the podcast was called now, but the the refrain stuck in my head you know how for bad moments in life we say this too shall pass it should also be applied to the good times this too shall pass as well so then that recalibrates your expectations for what is good and what is and what is bad so that you can actually live a more sustainable life and not constantly chase the unrealistic I love that saying peaks and troughs. It's just because we didn't say it in Canada. Yeah. It's like ups and flows. Yeah. What about dating? Because dating is incredibly destabilizing or it can be, right? So Mm. do you find, how do you keep yourself calibrated when there's excitement and disappointment in addition to your regular highs and lows? I think with dating, and I've done quite a bit of dating in the last year and a bit, through time I mean time is no is a wonderful thing uh, no matter how many times you get rejected as time goes on it does its thing and it helps you to just process um, self-reflect and develop I think relationships no matter how long or short they are they are an invitation to yourself and it makes you understand what you want what you don't want and of course you know I don't know whether it's the framework of the pandemic around us that has heightened it um, where we're seeking a lot, but getting little, therefore what's the net gain there. But I I think when it all gets too much and I'm overwhelmed at work and I'm overwhelmed with the dating cycles, that's when I'm like, right, priorities. What 
brings you joy. I know that's such a common refrain these days and it's a bit icky, but it really has some sense of truth in it. For me, if I stop reading, if I stop swimming, these are signs, they are telltale signs that I'm not okay uh -huh. because I'm being overwhelmed with other things that have taken precedence when they wouldn't normally Okay. You know, I think because I've had so much alone time, there's been a, a want and a crave for connection, which I felt mostly at the beginning of the year. It's calmed down a lot since I've managed to leave Dubai and get some perspective and come back and just experience a different kind of humanity and different energies. Because, you know, in Europe, it's a very different landscape. It's a very different way of life. It, it really is like removing yourself completely. And it's, and it's great. It can only be a good thing. You know, you can leave Dubai and then come back loving it again. But I think in the pandemic, dating became an exercise of fulfilling self-worth with cheap thrills mm -hmm. um just because with online dating it's an immediate sense of urgency that is presented you know I heard this um wonderful quote about not about online dating but I would attribute it to online dating by the writer Jack Kerouac his words are it's all too much and not enough at the same time. And I think that is a glove fit description of what online dating is like in the modern day, because if you want shallow attention, you have volumes of it online. And it's great if that's what you're looking for. But if you want something more substantive, where it's going to arc and take shape and have a long term prospect, I think that's few and far between. But if you go into it knowing it's so much fun, yeah. but I've been at various cycles in online dating where I haven't wanted that and then I have wanted it. And I've noticed that I've enjoyed online dating more when I've been totally nonplussed about it yeah. and just free and carefree. That's when the best parts have come out. And when I've been more needy and quote unquote desperate, it's always fallen on its uh, face yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 what about um... I think what I think when when you are in that place and space online dating is the worst thing for you that's when you just need a friend actually you don't need to fill it with a passionate love affair you just need a good friend who can chat with you first about you need to be, yeah oh sorry first you need to be your own friend and take yourself off tinder or what bumble for a while until yeah. you feel better and then you need yeah. a <laughs> absolutely um, absolutely speaking of friends like how do people what do you when you're feeling depressed depression anxiety and you do communicate it what helps for in friends so you know they always say reach out to your friends and support but people don't know what to do or say and they do often say the wrong thing so what um what helps you what helps me is less is more if that makes sense you know a lot of times and I've been guilty of this before I ever experienced some kind of depression I say some kind and I I want to qualify that I've had in the past what's called situational depression it's a result of circumstances because I, I I did go to a doctor and it 
it, and it was revealed that I'm not genetically predisposed to depression because I never experienced any of this when I was growing up. But there are certain factors and lifestyle causes that can lead to situational depression. But when I was going through that, you find that people who have no experience in it, like myself previously, where they smother you with suggestions mm. and they almost want to be part of that journey with that hero complex intention, um, which again it all comes from a good place but there's little self-awareness that comes with it because if they really were that self-aware they would understand that maybe what that person needs is not anything that you're that you're offering them you know what I mean like you you have to sort of read the temperature and not be so self-absorbed with the way that you you want to help um as far as how friends have responded the best ones are the ones who say, look, I'm always here. Just reach out. And then the other, I respond well to that. And I do also respond well to ones who just sort of check in every now and again with a, hey, how are you doing? And yeah. as simple as that. I don't really require a red carpet treatment for it. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not interested in being doted on because at the end of the day, it's something that a lot of people in this life go through. But it can feel like the most unique feeling in the world, um, which is why sometimes I just prefer to sit with it in myself or talk to a professional who can give me the language to understand what I'm what I'm going through. But the most unhelpful things, again, it doesn't come from a place of ill intention, but it's just clumsy when people say, why don't you just do meditation? Why don't you just do yoga? It's not the suggestion of the activity that I am at odds with because I'm aware of how effective these strategies are, which I can tell you how they work for me a little bit later, but it's the, the word just that mm kills me because in an experience as if as if again I know a lot of people experience it but it still feels like it's only happening to you and sometimes you just need to feel like it is just you to give it its proper significance and you almost have to honor it by aggrandizing it if that makes sense I mean I, I can see in some ways making it bigger than it needs to be is the wrong um the wrong route but sometimes you do have to prep it uh, sorry prop it up on a pedestal so that you know that it's real and it's not something just in the background you know I think sometimes people clumsily use the word just thinking that oh if I do an hour of yoga it's going to you know calm me down completely and with with things like yoga meditation and mindfulness these are strategies that require a long-term commitment which when you are feeling especially if you are in a low ebb when you are not able to function these methods is like it's like it just goes down the drain. Yeah. I, it, it, it means nothing. It means next to nothing to me because generally speaking, I'm a very solution oriented person. When I have a problem, I look for ways to solve it and then voila, the result ensues. But when it comes to your body and your mental health, there's no quick fire solution. And again, yoga, meditation, mindfulness, deep breathing these things 
when done with consistency can help but I think they can only be employed when you are not in your worst way when you are in your worst way that's when you need the professional help yeah yeah okay so any last words for someone who's struggling right now with depression any any last things you'd like to say feeling okay now you know when you're feeling okay it's like yeah you know it is interesting because I did go through a lot of it a couple of years ago. And as time goes on, you almost forget what it feels like, which is really not that helpful because how else am I supposed to impart um, some kind of truth to others? But what what I do know is that you cannot police your biology. If you are going through it, you have to allow your body to process it. You can't quicken the process. You can't try and outsmart it. You have to let it, you have to let it be. You have to also recognize what environments, what people aggravate Mm. certain symptoms and evolve past that with you know, an accelerated and um, clearer understanding of yourself. It's a, it's just a constant work in progress. I don't think we ever reach a point of like a final draft of selfhood, but I think when you have these kinds of mental health issues, you do get on that path of self-development and self-awareness and you become so much so much stronger over time and you just develop better coping mechanisms but then again you know other other things will come up in the future which will threaten that system that you have created that positive system that has helped you previously but then you just have to sharpen those tools or at least or maybe even change them swap them out for something else I mean that's just life isn't it it's never cookie cutter so well, yeah, I, just, I don't know if that's hel- I don't know if that's helpful to be honest for people who are going through it but I mean well, here's the thing here's the thing I think dealing with depression is highly customizable you know there's no one size fits all it's what it's what works for you and again I, it feels hideously general to say that but you will only find out through trial and error and a process of elimination which takes as long as it takes and I love what you said today. I think the takeaway is like, like leaning into it, not, not trying to manage it, like just letting it go. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to do. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing, Georgie. I think, I think um, it's great to talk to you about this serious topic, but I just, I think it's so great to talk to like, you know, regular people about how it feels and what they do, because like I said to you um, when I was getting you to do this and when I was talking about the series we just talk to therapists about people who are depressed and we don't, you know, and we don't even talk to our friends or family about being depressed a lot of the time. So I just want, I just think it's great. I think it's great that you talk about it. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It's a good space to talk about it. Thanks. That's it for this week. 
If you liked the podcast, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We'll see you next time on the Live Healthy Podcast.